So uh, as far as the American League West is concerned, I, I have Houston repeating as champions of the division. I've got that. I'm going to say Oakland manages to hang in there. Uh, like I said, they're scrappy, and I'm, and I'm rooting for them. I'll say they'll second place in the division. Third place in the division, I've got the Texas Rangers. Uh, the Seattle Mariners, I've got in fifth. And in fourth, I have the Los Angeles Angels AAA affiliate. I have their AA affiliate. I have their rookie ball team. I have their kickball team. I have the uh, you know foosball team. Uh, if they've got a professional... What's all? If they've got a professional foosball team, I'm picking them. I'm picking the L.A. Chargers. I'm picking Tom Brady by himself. I'm picking Tom Brady playing with Giselle. I'm picking uh, their kid, you, me, uh, a softball team we came together. I've got the Angels in 47th. Okay. Book it, Dave. 47th. All right, then. In the Los Angeles area. Of course. Of course. Teams named after Angels. You are listening to episode 42 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, blah, 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 the spiel. I'm Carlos Alcazar, and with me for the second consecutive episode, Dave Turbo. How are you, Carlos? That's about um, as much I you. love how you shorten the spiel here. Yeah, listen, I, I'll come up with something uh, very clever after, but for now, we're just going to kind of modify it a little bit and kind of mock ourselves. If we can't make That's fun of ourselves, right. who will? Exactly. And I would like you to know I'm making history tonight, at least I think I am. I'm living the multi-screen life by... One, watching the Raptors game. Two, recording this podcast via FaceTime. And three, the baby monitor is on. Look at you. And are you still in the ditch at night in Ancaster? No, no. We're back at home in Burlington uh, for the time being until uh, April 7th. Look and at then you. we go to then we go back to the ditch for two weeks. Or Well, I shouldn't say we because, you know, I go back to the ditch. As you do. And then, and then we uh, we move. Look at you. Look at you. Kids making some moves. And then today, just hanging outside, freezing to death, as you do. Very good. Hey, you got to do what you got to do, Carlos. Hey, listen, we all got our thing. So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more baseball, trying to pretend that it's a little bit warmer than it actually is. We're going to talk about the American League West. That'll be kind of our main thing going on. And then we'll talk about some news and notes here. I'll talk a little bit about XFL Week 3 because that's a thing. But first of all, uh, I think you Dave you had some other news and notes uh, related so more I have I have uh, I have some MLB re- they're all MLB related news and notes. Uh, some of them are really quick, but I feel they're all worth mentioning. Uh, so the first of these, we'll start off on a sad note unfortunately. because uh, we didn't mention it last week and I feel that we need to mention it since we're both Blue Jay guys. RIP Tony Fernandez. Yes, yes, that's true. Uh, yeah, the Tony Fernandez news, I remember he was, I think he was sick for a little while. Like, there was an issue where he was, like, hospitalized for a while. And then, yeah. yes, the announcement did come that he passed away, which is really unfortunate. Obviously, he was one of the first, like, major name Blue Jays in the first era when the team started getting good, right in the in the 1980s, because he started in the mid-80s when that team was starting to move towards contention prior to them becoming uh, eventually World Series champions. I think he was around, not for the first team, I think he was around for the team in 93 because he came back after the trade, although he was involved in the biggest trade in franchise history where he and Fred McGriff went to the San Diego Padres for Joe Carter and Roberto Alomar, which basically kind of set up the the World Series years. So in, in a way, Tony Fernandez was directly and indirectly responsible for both World Series championships in franchise history. Yeah, so, and you know, I... I I mean, obviously, he wasn't part of the original Blue Jays in 1977, but I always consider him based on, you know, what he meant to the franchise and when he played an OG Blue Jay. Well, he was. I think he was really one of the, f- I wouldn't say one of the first stars, but if you, t- outside of like Dave Steeb, 
you're, you're talking the really early, all those all those players who were there in the 80s and continued on into the 90s. Fred McGriff also was kind of in that in that category as well for a long time. Um, and it's one of those things where those guys weren't around long enough. Obviously, Fernand, Tony Fernandez did come back a couple of times, which uh, obviously adds to the mystique. Fred McGriff never did come back. But it was one of those things that that team grew up together and uh, moved into contention. And I think for a lot of folks in this neck of the woods, that team is those teams are remembered fondly. So I think a lot of folks have a lot of Tony Fernandez memories. Definitely. Yeah, he mattered. And, you know, it'll always be special because he's one of those guys you watch growing up. Right. Yeah. And he was a, and he was a very good player. It's one of those things. He was a very good hitter and, a, and an excellent fielder. And it, he's not one of those guys who was in contention for the Hall of Fame. But at the same time, like a franchise history type of guy. He was one of those guys. I don't know if he, I don't remember if he is already, but if he's not, it wouldn't surprise me if he joined the ring of honor because it would be, he would be a very logical player. I'm pretty sure he's in the ring of honor. Th that's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably sure, but it's been a while since I looked at it, but if he isn't, then he definitely would be. If not, he, he deserve he deserves that spot. So I'm, I'm confident that if not already, then it's, it's a done deal for sure. For sure. All right. Note number two. I don't know if you knew this, but I feel as we said, Tim Tebow was approached by the XFL, and he said, nope, I'm sticking with the Mets. Now, when I say Mets, I mean the Mets minor league. Well, I think it's completely fair. I think Tim, I think that's really um, you know observant of Tim Tebow to realize that you know he could continue on as a triple play, AAA player for the Mets or be an XFL backup to Aaron Murray or whoever's in Tampa. I would be fine. I'm sure it would be. I'll be honest with you. As a AAA player for the Mets, you get paid more. Take it, right? Yeah, it's it's one of those things like, uh, you know, bless Tim Tebow for trying. The thing is, it's not like he's not an athlete. He does have athletic capabilities. But it's one of those things where, like, if he had just accepted that he probably could have been a running back or basically some other position, he's not a quarterback. He never was a quarterback. He was a college quarterback, which is to say there are a lot of folks that play quarterback in college who are not quarterbacks. And he just stubbornly hung on to it until eventually he switched sports, and now he's a mediocre baseball player. So he's got that yeah. going for him. So, But it's like one of those things, you know, it's, it's one of those names that always keeps getting mentioned. You know, there's certain names that always get mentioned when, you know, something new is coming up in a sport or whatever. It's like, oh, let's check in with Team Tebow. So feel it's worth mentioning, but just in case you're wondering, XFL fans, are you going to get Tim Tebow? No. No, you're not. Well, the thing, though, is, uh, jokes aside, I think that um, Tim Tebow is probably best served continuing down the path he's already started going down because I think he does some of the some col uh, college football coverage. He does a little bit of work with, uh, I think, ESPN. And it's one of those things where, like, he, he's very well qualified to do some work in that regard. So TV could be very well the be the next thing for Tim Tebow because he's already started to make forays into it. Yeah, I think that, I think that'll be his lane going forward. I think so. I think once he finally gives it up and hangs up the uh, hangs up the cleats and stops trying to play baseball, I think he could just go full time and do the college coverage. I think there's a spot for him there in college game day or wherever. I think so too, and I think that'd be good for him. Yeah. All right. Um, the next two notes are both related to the Houston Astros scandal. Of course. Uh, which I will mention more when we actually talk about Houston. But these are two tidbits which I found particularly interesting. Uh, and the first is two California Little Leagues have banned their teams from using the Astros. So, you know, for Little League and also not just necessarily Little Leagues, but other youth baseball leagues, 
they often name their teams after MLB teams, because why not? And both the Long Beach Little League and Fullerton Little League in Southern California have said any team cannot be named the Astros. I did hear about that. Um, it, 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 I get it, but it's one of those things like, okay, you know. I, I, I think the, 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 the amount of... The amount of sanctimonious, you know, commentary coming from a lot of different places on it is, is is really delving into the absurd. It's like we're changing turns. Like we will never name another team the Astros. I'm like, really? That's uh, uh, that that's your that's your big your big statement. All right, sure, whatever. Um, I, I laughed about that though because it did it did make me think because uh, as you well know, Dave, I, I was uh for for some of my time there, I, I was a standout little leaguer once upon a time. Absolutely, playing, playing a little baseball. Played six years, six years of Little League Baseball, and one of the teams that I did play for was the Astros. That was uh, that was one of the ones, although my most illustrious to me, although I was a very good player with the Astros, but my most illustrious time was with the was playing for the Giants. And my favorite part is being the fat kid in baseball means that that uniform is still in my closet somewhere and jokes on everybody, I can still wear it. I love it. Yep. True story. And Carlos Sr. has one too because he, he allegedly coached that team. Nice. Allegedly, I say. Allegedly, of I, I made the lineup cards. Just, just say, just say. His job and was the, to sit there. <laughs> and the next one, I, I just find this again the absurdity of everything coming out of the scandal. Which again, we'll get into a little bit more detail when we talk about Houston because I have a couple other things I'd like to bring up. But Giancarlo Stanton said, and I quote: "80 home I runs. I would have hit 80 home runs in 2017 if I knew what was coming." Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I. I've, I will say what I think is the most unprecedented about this particular quote-unquote scandal. Like, I, I think it's overly used. I'm like, it's not a scandal. Cheating in baseball's... I, I, feel like, I feel like last week I went into this. Cheating in baseball's not new. Cheating in baseball is like... Sh- cheating in baseball is like shadiness in Panama. It is my birthright. <laughs> this is what my people do. I, like, I, I appreciate it. I enjoy it, you know. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like... All these, oh, if I could see what pitch is coming, well, then, then learn how to do, then learn how to steal signs better. Like, what do you want from me? Uh, I get the idea, and, and I'll reiterate my, my, my statement from last week. I get the idea that people don't like that technology was used to enhance the ability to take the sign stealing to, let's call it another level. Let, let's use that. I get that. I do understand. But at the same time, it's like, for God's sake, they were just the first ones to think of it and implement it properly. That isn't to say somebody else won't try down the road. Just so everybody knows, this is not going to deter someone else from trying to do this later on. Somebody else will probably just drink of a better way to do it. And if they can think of a better way to do it, they'll give it a shot until someday they get caught. And then we all do the whole shame thing again. And then somebody else will try it later. It's The game is built upon trying to get an edge in whatever way it's possible. And the players pretending like they all, a lot of the ones who you know say, oh, I would never use an advantage like that. Oh, well, that's probably true for some of them. But some of them would, and some of them just don't want to talk about it. And some of them will like stay there. It's the same thing that happened during the steroids thing. Who were the ones who were saying the loudest? You know, steroids. You know, this doesn't belong in our game. Rafael Palmero literally stood in front of a congressional thing. I, I forget what the exact context was where they were doing the the thing with the government, and he stood there and he way and he wagged his finger, saying, "You know, I never did any blah blah blah." Well, of course he did. It's one of those like the harder thou doth protest too much. Is all I'm trying to exactly. say. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a lot of that going on right now from people who are like, look, man, especially be, bear in mind that Major League Baseball is still looking into the Red Sox from the 2018. So if even one more team has a similar 
type of story with using any kind of technology to t- to figure out what pitch is coming next, guess what? What are you going to do then? You, you can mm-hmm. use the same arguments, the same complaints, the same what. Like, it's one of those things. If you're one of those folks who says, oh, you know, vacate the title. Cool. If the 2018 Red Sox did the same thing, do you want to vacate two consecutive titles? Because we can do that. This becomes then the 1988 Olympics where they had the 100-meter dash, where basically everybody was on steroids. But Ben Johnson is the famous one who got, you know, tossed. But the second-place guy did steroids. The third-place guy did steroids. It becomes a joke after a while. No, that's a fair point, too. Yeah, so it's like, whatever, man. Uh, anyway, those are my uh, pre-AL West MLB notes. So what would you like to tell us now about week two in the XFL? Sorry, week three. I was going to say, you, you, did, you did, so, you you did so well with the XFL bringing the gravelly in, but it's, like, it's, it's week three, dude. It's week three. Uh, sorry. Good, good effort. Let me, sorry. Let me rephrase it then. Carlos, what would you like to tell us about week three in DXFL? There you go. You did it. Week two that you're here to talk about it. So, you know, we got that. We got that part right. No, the uh, I'm interested. Uh, week two was interesting in the sense, uh, kind of what I reviewed and talked about, is that uh, you really are seeing right now that Houston and D.C. are kind of the class of the league. And Seattle showed some potential, and I like seeing that. And I, I hope think, so, because that's who I picked. Yeah. And, uh, well, didn't you pick Seattle? Yeah, you just said Seattle. So you had Seattle. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Going I meant St. Signs. Louis. St. Louis. Oh, right then. You know what? Boo. Yeah. But the uh, the thing is, they're, they're really what you're seeing is that whoever has the best quarterback play, generally, not surprisingly, is the one who's playing the best. However, in this case, it is they are kind of um, separating themselves a little bit because the teams who happen to have the best quarterbacks also have pretty decent defenses. So it's kind of making it a little unfair in that they're playing well on both sides of the ball. So it's one of those things where uh, right now it's they're separating themselves a little bit from the rest of the league. So you're saying having a good defense is helpful? Yeah, when, when you combine it with a decent offense and, 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 you know, reasonable special teams, I hear this is a recipe for success. True story. Groundbreaking, man. That's groundbreaking analysis right there. This is what I bring to you. This this is what I bring. So the thing is, uh, right now going into week three, we've got a they, – they did a good job, I would say. The XFL did a good job in terms of their scheduling because what they did is they staggered it so that for the first three weeks – not every team got to play a home game yet. So this week, two more teams are going to get to play their first home game. And you're going to have Seattle. Uh, sorry, I keep saying Seattle. St. Louis is going to be playing their first home football game since they lost the Rams. And, you know, I, th- I think they, uh, they're, you know, St. Louis is called the Battle Hawks. I think they've nicknamed the, uh, the, I don't know which stadium it is, and I'll look it up here in a little bit. But uh, I think they've nicknamed it the Battle Dome, which is, you know, not bad. I like it. Are they, are they playing in, is the Dome still existing? In St. Louis, like the one where the Rams used to play? I believe that is where they're playing. But that's okay. that's where sometimes you kind of have to double check because I know that Seattle plays out of the same place that the Seahawks play, and they even did the whole thing with the torch and all that, which is fine. I think that's good. Um, but the St. Louis, um, it's one of those things where you – I think you kind of have to reuse the facility where you can because realistically it's not like – there are a lot of stadiums in the U.S. especially where you can um, – where you can fill a football team, but you also don't want to have a place that looks too much like um, you don't want to have a place that looks too much like a minor league. So throwing it into a football stadium probably wouldn't look that good. A college stadium is fine because you know college stadiums can still be really nice. They can still be up to kind of a professional caliber snuff, especially a lot of them. The and the reality is you also need a venue that you know is suitable for tailgating and suitable for you want to have the whole in-game experience. You don't want it to look. 
one way or another, the XFL might be getting off the ground, but they still don't want to look minor league. You want it, to look, you want it to look like a reasonable presentation of football. Because the because the TV cameras and the and they're using legitimate camera crews. They've got ESPN, they've got Fox, they've got ABC, and everything behind it. So they're going to look on point as far as the broadcast is concerned. You don't want to undermine that by looking like you're playing in a rinky-dink football stadium somewhere. That's not going to fly. So they did pick venues that at least look the part on the whole, even if it's a college place, but it's at least a college place that looks decent. So yeah. that's where you have to kind of think it through. The, the Seattle one was ambitious because you are playing in a legitimate football stadium. And then obviously New York is playing a, you know, out, of, uh, out of New Jersey where the Giants and where the Jets play. I don't blame them, though, because, you know, the venue is not in use right now. And, and I'm sure the owners of the, of the stadium don't mind having a couple of more home dates for somebody, uh, you know, selling a couple of tickets and making some concession money. Houston Roughnecks are going to be playing the Tampa Bay Vipers. I believe they're playing in Tampa Bay, which I believe is also the other home opener. So I think they're, like I said, I think there's two of them. So that'll be the early game on Saturday. Uh, I think that's that's probably the most one-sided matchup of week three, just because Houston is playing so well. And Tampa Bay, I don't know if they're going to bring Aaron Murray back. I don't know if they're going to try to play somebody else. Uh, genuinely, uh, Tampa Bay for the first two weeks have basically been an example of, so all you have to do to, to analyze, going back to my scintillating analysis from earlier. So Tampa Bay's like bad at football, Dave. They basically <laughs> are just like not, you know, they, they've somehow done it. They, they're like the triple threat of bad football. They, they, their offense sucks. Their defense sucks. Um, you know, forget about triple threat. How about grand slam of bad football? Their coaching is questionable. You know, Mark Tressman's trying, but for God's sake, the, no. And then on top of it, their uniforms are hideous. Like, there's nothing that is going right for this Tampa Bay <laughs> franchise, and they just got started. It's just heinous. I like it. Yeah, I like it, Carlos. So, so I'm saying it's, it feels like a real big mismatch because, by contrast, Houston looks solid. Are they perfect? No. But I like, I like a lot of what I see. Uh, P.J. Walker is looking great. You know, if there's an early MVP candidate, he is one. And I mentioned already, I already sung the praises of him. And, um, and you know, obviously D.C. as well. So right now it's a matter of you. That's probably the biggest mismatch. I'll still be interested in seeing it. You know, it's going to be on ABC, so it should be good. And then we'll kind of see how that one plays out. The later game on Saturday is going to be the Dallas Renegades taking on the Seattle Dragons. And the problem is that every time I see it, I want to say Sea Dragons. Because uh, because it's just there that way. And I'm like, no, it's Seattle Dragons. I like that. I would be okay with them being called the Sea Dragons. Yeah, but it would be kind of funny if you called them the Seattle Sea Dragons because they put S-E-A. So it would be like the Sea Sea Dragons. It would just look <laughs> kind of redundant. I'd enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, fair enough. I'd enjoy it. But I will say, though, I, I remember it from looking at the logo when they originally gave the concept. I swear the Dragons logo looks an awful lot like Trogdor. I'm seeing a lot of Trogdor there. You know what's sad, Carlos? Is how many people listening to this don't know who Trogdor is. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay, kids. It's okay. It, use the Google machine. Go on and write and type in Trogdor exactly the way it sounds. Just spell it out. Trogdor the Burninator. You're welcome. But then you need someone to be like, Trogdor! So good. Still holds up. Still holds up. It really does. It really does. My one, my one regret is not getting is not getting the shirt. And I think you can still buy it. And I may and I may still do it at some point. I don't wear shirts that have designs on them at all. But Trogdor, I will wear. Trogdor's worth it. The Trogdor that's, shirt. That's an exception to the rule that yeah, can be made. That is worthy. That is worthy. So there's a little reference for you all. So now we'll talk quickly about Sunday. Uh, so Sunday you've got the New York Guardians uh, taking on the St. Louis Battlehawks at the Battle Dome. I like I like a lot. 
about uh, the potential here. I think the Battlehawks can put this thing together and probably put the hammer to the Guardians because the Guardians look really bad, especially, uh, I don't know if Matt McGloin is going to be playing again. I, I want to look in a little bit more into that and kind of see what the situation is because, you know, when you throw your, uh, your staff under the bus, it's probably not the best way to get a start after you basically play like crap. And then you try to blame it on the game plan, the scheme, the players, you know, the coaching staff, basically everybody except yourself. Taking no accountability is probably not a good way of getting another start, especially when you played real bad. And in the first game, you were a little bit lucky to even have done as well as you did because the team uh, wasn't exactly letting the world on fire in game one. So two consecutive kind of mediocre weeks followed by blaming everybody under the bus, everybody under the sun except yourself. I don't know if that's a, if that's leadership material. Yeah. I appreciate that you brought the microphone you're about to, to add to add the yeah. I you know what? I, I do what I can, Carlos. That's some solid work by you. You keep this up. You know, back in the day, Timbaland got featured just by bringing in basically what you just contributed. If we loop it a couple of times. You, you know what? Be... Also, we have to keep in mind that we need something for the opener. So if I keep doing things like that, you never know. Like it might be used for the opener. Yeah, we'll just I'll just loop it a bit. And if it opener. isn't, then you can all we can always cut it. Like either way. Yeah, I'll just, I'll either include that or I'll include the million dollar man's cackle. It worked really well last we week. We did like that. That that was nice work last week, by the way. I do what I can. If any of you are curious where that uh, came from, first of all, if you don't know who the million dollar man is, also Google that. I'm I'm sending you to the Google machine twice. I want you to go and look up the million dollar man. If you grew up in the 1980s, that man is a hero. He was meant to be a villain, but he's a hero because he's entertaining <laughs> as hell. And uh, the cackle is just legendary. It's glorious. And specifically, you can find the clip of that particular cackle on YouTube, which was the uh, vignette where he introduced the Million Dollar Championship belt. Again, Google that shit. It is glorious. It is fantastic. And that is your cultural report for this week. Now, bringing it on the Sunday to close it off, the DC Defenders will be taking on the LA Wildcats. That'll be on FS1. Um, another interesting matchup, though, because LA, I think, needs to... Uh, I think they have some potential, but... It, it, it is kind of interesting to how the pieces came together because um, DC is playing very well and LA has some issues because uh, after basically week one, they uh, they fired, I believe it was the defensive coordinator and the head coach took over those duties. So it's one of those things like things weren't completely settled right from the stop with, start with the LA Wildcats. And then I believe, if memory serves me, I'll have to look it up as well later on and I'll talk more about it later. But I believe one of the uh, defensive players, Johnson, uh, left L.A. and basically went to D.C. and flew on the red eye and then played in the D.C. game last week. And he is one of the better uh, – he's one of the better he – ba- he got a sack in that game. He's one of the better defensive players in the league. And for whatever reason, I have to look into why, he left the Wildcats and ended up playing for the defenders. So he went from one of the kind of eh teams to basically the possibly the best team in the league or second best team, depending on where you put Houston. So it's one of those things where it's kind of inter- there's some early intrigue in this league, I will say. For what it is and how brief the history of it is, there's some intrigue. But that's what they need too, right? As a startup league, if you can get that intrigue, that's only going to help in the long run. Yeah, and I think they've done a good job as far as the presentation. But one other thing that they've started to do, which I like, is that they're capitalizing on the social media aspect of it. Because on YouTube, they actually do like a pregame show. They do a little pre- uh, preview of all the different games uh, for each day. And I think that's wise. And then on the Sunday, they'll do another pregame show where they'll recap also the previous uh, day's games. So it, even though it's not on TV, it is still nice that they do it in there. And it's very clearly done in a studio. 
and they get uh, Jonathan Coachman, previously of ESPN fame and formerly of WWE fame as well. They get him to do it with uh, with one of the other hosts who also works for WWE. So not surprisingly, they use that connection. But at the same time, they put together, they're both clearly hosts who have some practice doing this. So it comes off as a very polished product in a studio as their pregame show on YouTube, which is interesting because they are obviously putting the production values for what is effectively a YouTube show. So well done. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah, I think it's a wise use of the of the medium and get and driving some traffic to that YouTube channel. WWE knows Absolutely how to do is. this. Yeah, you, and you also wanna you like how they can use, the, you know, cross different platforms and link it all together. I think, but I think that's gonna be one of the big keys to the 2020 XFL version versus the 2001. Those things were just YouTube really didn't exist in 2001. I don't think it had really come into play yet. I think it was like 2004, 2005. So these things just weren't available. And now you can use all the social medias to get your to get your brand out there and show people highlights. Now that there's actual games, you can show people highlights. And then maybe, maybe if you all play, if you all play your cards right in March, maybe I'll do an XFL trading card box opening. Because it's coming Ooh. out in March. It's coming out in March, is all I'm saying. Ooh. Prepare Don't yourself. tease us like that, Carlos. Hey, listen, prepare yourselves, is all I'm saying. If they were smart, though, <laughs> if, I had, if I had a say in it, I would have a little sense of humor and done a little ode to the original XFL and had like a he hate me autograph card. Amazing. I, I would do it. That, that, that's just me. I, I would totally do it. I think you should get that no matter what. I know. Exactly. Oh, no, I have a he hate me trading card, Dave. Oh, I've got one. Rest assured about that. But I mean in the 2020 product, they should do an ode to the original, which I think would be funny. Okay, so really that's it for week. That's really kind of what I'm looking for in week three. Uh, we're going to start kind of uh, getting a little bit more of a separation. As I said, right now the league feels very top-heavy. Uh, the Vipers are at the bottom as far as I'm concerned. You've got D.C. and Houston, one and two, depending on kind of where you feel. And everybody else is kind of hovering in between. I would say the Guardians are also kind of down there with the Vipers as well a little bit. That's kind of my early power ranking. I'm still trying to figure out where St. Louis falls into this, where Seattle falls into this, and the Renegades were better. Uh, they they got um, Landry Jones back, so that was good for them. He was okay, but good enough. He got the first 300-yard passing day for a quarterback in the XFL. So, like, he showed that he is capable of generating some offense. And he is a guy who has some name value in this league. He was the first pick for the league as a whole. So they're kind of hoping for big things from him. And if he is able to play to that standard, then the Dallas team becomes interesting. And maybe there's a three-team race, which could be kind of interesting if that plays out. We'll have to see how that goes. So that is week three. And on top of all that, week two, betting, I made some money. One, two parlays. I'm happy. Fantastic, Carlos. That's a win right there. A win. So that's it for XFL week three. We're going to stop with that. And then we'll talk a little bit more about it next week uh, once we get into week four. And now we'll have a little better uh, thing about the games. Are there any other news and notes you want to get into, Dave, before we get into some American League West action? Nope. I have given you what I've got. All right. Then it is time for the American League West. The team of everyone's favorite, the team that you're all rooting for, the Cinderella story of the 2020 Major League Baseball season. All right, Dave, it's really up to you. Which team would you like to start with, Houston Astros? Uh, so, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about Houston because let's. It's get funny, Dave. Away. We're going to talk well, about but, it because it's funny. But let's be also real. We probably have more to say about Houston than we have to say about any other team. Don't worry, I have a few things to say when we get to the Angels. Here's the thing. Two things. I think they've. I have two big losses in Houston. So aside from the the back and forth about anything, they lost Garrett Cole, who's gone to the Yankees. Yep. And they lost Wade Miley, who's not a huge, big deal, 
but it is something of note. He's a good pitcher. You know, he's a good pitcher, good serviceable pitcher. Uh, I think they're going to take a step back. That doesn't mean they're not going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be as good as last year. And I, I also wonder, and I got this take, and I, I unfortunately can't say it's original, but I totally agree with it. Um, from the ESPN Baseball Tonight podcast, they were talking about this and, and making comment to the effect of, look, a lot of people, not everybody, but it's it's quite common for a player to have a slow start. You know, maybe for the first two weeks, they're batting under 200 before they turn it on. You know, Frank Thomas in the end of his career was notorious for doing that. But that's not totally uncommon to happen. And and But here is, what if it happens now? Does that kind of start to get into people's heads and play with them mentally, right? If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But if they have a slow start, if anyone, you know, any of the batters on Houston have a slow start that were part of the 2017 team, are they now thinking, oh my goodness, because we're not stealing signs, am I that, you know? And does it does that affect them mentally enough to affect the team as a whole? I don't know, but it's something to, I think, consider and worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, so the... Long story short, it's really hard not to regress a little bit when you were a 107-win team last year. The reality is you rarely have, you rarely are going to go up from there. It'd be very, you know, it'd be kind of historic if you actually improve somehow from that, from that situation. What it really comes down to and kind of where the credence is going to be for a lot of folks as far as Houston is now that the eyes are on you and everybody knows the scrutiny is going to be as high as it's ever been for that team. You have to look at last year's road split. They were 60-21 and 21 at home and 47-34 and 34 on the road. They were still good on the road, but they were you know, almost unbeatable at home. So really what it comes down to, to your point about the slow start, is what if they have a slow start, and what if they don't play that well at home where they had the presumably huge advantage of being able to see and hear things coming? You yeah. know, there's, a, there's a lot of question marks around this Houston team. Uh, you know, Again, I still expect them to, to do well. But I'm not necessarily sure that, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, what it really right? comes down to is I still think they have a lot of talent. I think they have a lot of great players. And I still think that they, it's one of those things where I, did it help? Yeah, 100%. Does that mean I don't think that they are perfectly capable of being a division winner again? No, I think they can definitely win this division. And uh, spoiler, I'm predicting them to win this division. But the, the fact is, I suspect they'll certainly drop off from last year's performance. And if we're talking about the mental aspect of it, well, I would say the mental aspect is going to be, I would hope for their sake that they're hugely motivated to come out of the gate hot. If they come out of the gate hot, that's pretty much the best thing they can do to try to make their case. And they're going to have to do their best to dominate as best as possible, even if they can't replicate last year's record. You know, putting up 95 wins, 100 wins would go a long way towards kind of, uh, you know, shoving it back in everybody's face, especially with all the scrutiny on them. Yeah, right? And I think that's the thing that a lot of people are saying to do. Like, you know, there's been a lot of players in MLB who have spoken out about this. Not just players on the Dodgers and Yankees who were arguably the two most affected teams by the Houston sign-stealing in in the sense that that's who they beat to, you know, make the World Series and then win the World Series. But, you know, Mike Trout's come out against it, obviously, uh, pretty heavily. Uh, You know, uh, what's the guy on the um, Cleveland trying to think which guy clevenger yeah the pitcher clevenger. Right? yeah right who is saying you know that they're the biggest piece of shit team you know there's a lot of this coming out there and you know josh reddick 
has basically said, hey, you know what? We're gonna go out. We're gonna we're gonna win. And we're gonna prove everybody wrong, and you know, screw you. Uh, which is fine. I don't mind that talk back and forth. We'll see how it plays out. The thing that bugs me now is that all these people are starting to get death threats, right? Like Mike Fires is getting death threats. Mm-hmm. Josh Reddick's getting death threats. Like, you know, whether or not the people are have any intention of doing anything or any close to being serious, and I hope they aren't. There's no place for that. It's it's it. You know, it it's not a life. This is not a life or death matter. It's baseball. We love baseball, right? More than most people love baseball, Carlos. But, you know, there's no reason that Mike Fires should be getting death threats because he broke it or that Josh Reddick should be getting death threats because he was part of the team and now he's trash talking. Like, let it play out. Let's see what happens. And hopefully a lot of Houston Astros get beaned this year. Uh, But not injured because of said beating. But, you know, I'd love to see Houston get beaten to a pulp in a figurative sense, not a literal sense, uh, you know, and not make the playoffs. I would love to see that. Uh, but even with the uh, subtractions that they've had and, you know, this cloud hanging over them, I still expect that they will be a playoff team. Yeah. No, your points are well taken. I think it's fair. Uh, the reality is, and this is unfortunate, this goes beyond the, the scope of the podcast because realistically you could spend hours talking about it. I think, unfortunately, we're, at a, we're in a time where everyone just gets really mad about everything. It's one of those things where it's not enough. To, I've seen things that that irritate me in the world of sports or things that I get annoyed. With, but the reality is a lot of that just kind of washes off of me. I'm, I'm at the point in my life where there's very few things that are going to sustainably make me angry. I'll be highly agitated. Liquor markup tax and what else? That's pretty much it, Dave. Like liquor markup tax is literally the devil. The, like, you know. The name is still the best. The name is still the best. Because it's bullshit, Dave. It's complete bullshit. It is It is the most made-up thing. It's literally somebody sitting there giggling in the tax office going, guys, guys, we're going to charge them tax, right? That's what we do here at the tax department. No, no, no. I'm going to call it liquor markup tax. It's like, oh, I would be so angry if I got liquor markup. Exactly. You know, right? And then they just giggled. That's what hey, happened. It, it, was enough, it was enough to get you to rant about it all the way from Buffalo to Mississauga. That's pretty impressive. Yes, but Dave, you have to remember, there are two times in my life where I have had such indignant rage that it basically expelled almost all the rage out of my life and out of my soul. That was let one. Me, okay, so let me see. So that was one. Yes. And was the other, was the, other the 2015 NFC Championship game? No, that, that sucked my soul out of my soul. That, that you know, just took the whole thing out. Think about how that's even possible. It sucked the soul oh, okay. out of my soul. So is this when you... Um, when Oscar Akon took the home run away from you? No, no, no. I was highly <laughs> agitated with that. No, I was highly agitated and feeling very violent about that. No, Dave. The time, the other time was golf, Dave, because because golf can make you so angry. This is true. It's it's so infuriating. It's so anger inducing. But when you master those two things, and you have to remember, I am Latin. I have a Latin temper. And if you can master those two things and, and get past them, then you're pretty much good. You're basically Gandhi after that. You can quote me on that. If you can get through golf and liquor markup tax, you're Gandhi. Except Gandhi has no self-control compared to that person. Okay. That's true Zen, Dave. True Zen. The more you So, know. anything else anything else you want to say about the Houston Astros before we move to the next team? Well, I feel like we did so well. We got the liquor markup tax. I explained to you the secret of Zen. Is that not enough for you? No, pretty much I think we're good. All right, I mean, got? we could just end the preview right there. We we could. The rest of the, the rest of these teams don't really matter that much. Who who you got next? What do you want? Which uh, one do you want let's go. Let's go Oakland. I feel uh, so bad for the Oakland A's. I feel so bad for a lot of teams in the AL West. To be honest with you, 
Um, you know what? Oakland has surprised. They had two years ago. They won ninety seven games. Last year they were expected to regress, but they won ninety seven games. Yep. This year I expect them to regress and not win ninety seven games. No. Uh, you know they have. They've lost a couple of their rotation pieces in Estrada and Brett Anderson. I don't really think their rotation strikes fear in anyone. They have Mike Fires, Dave. Mike Fires. Well, yeah, exactly, right? Like, you know, I think some people are going to be gunning for Mike Fires too. In you know, you're going to have half the people that are gunning for him because he was part of that Astros team, and then the other half gunning for him because he broke the story. You know, mm-hmm. um, they lost a lot of depth. I think they, you know, they got some farm pieces. But their, you know, big things are Jesus Lazardo and AJ Puck. I'm a, I'm a Puck Puck. I'm not quite sure how you say his last name. I genuinely P-K, don't know. Uh, in pitchers, you know, so they've got some prospects that if you know, it's one of those things. If you're an Oakland A's fan, then maybe you're excited about some of these prospects. But otherwise, until they prove anything, the rest of the league doesn't care about you. And I don't really expect to hear much noise from Oakland. You know. The okay. best thing that could happen to the Oakland A's is for them to tear down Mount Davis in the stadium and get a nice stadium renovation, but that's probably not going to happen either. So, you know, if I'm if I'm a baseball fan in Northern California in the Bay Area, I'm I'm not looking forward to this year. This is going to be rough times most likely. I think part of the reason that I say that the Oakland A's think it's a shame is because they've tried, and they've tried to field competitive teams, and on the whole, they have. They've managed to field some fairly competitive teams considering their payroll restrictions for many years, getting screwed over by Kyle, Kyler Murray. They managed to get past that kind of thing, you know, wasting a draft pick on him, and then in the end, he, he t- gives back your money and doesn't even want to play. He wants to go play football, and that's okay. For Kyler Murray, it, makes, it made perfect sense. But the, but the thing is, like, you know, there have been a lot of tough things for them. I would say, though, that there are a couple of things in their favor and a couple of things against them. So I'll give you both. They do have a nice young rotation that on paper looks pretty decent. Like, really young players. You just have to think uh, that four of their five starters are 28 years, are projected starters, are 28 or younger. So you just have to think about, it. like, that's a young rotation with some potentially good arms. Uh, you know, Chris Davis played very badly last year, so any improvement would help that part of the lineup. Uh, Matt Chapman's a good player. Mike Fires is a good pitcher. Assuming he can focus on the game at hand, you know, he he was a 15-game winner last year. So the thing is, like, he can pitch. Uh, There's, you know, there's a bunch of players who have potential, have capabilities. It's going to be tricky, but the reality is you do have all that going for you. There is one more thing that I would put in their favor, and that is if you think about uh, Jesus Lazardo, who's the projected number five starter, uh, his nickname is the Lizard King. How can you not root for the Lizard King, Dave? What? Yes, fair enough. That that in itself, let's go Lizard King. But then where do you go after that, right? It, it gets tricky, but it's one of those things. I'm rooting for them because they, they're doing the best they can considering where they are and, what, and what's going on with them. The Now, what I would say is one of the factors, you mentioned a couple of them, but one other factor that may go against them is this. And here's a little stat for you, Dave. Uh, last year, they, were, they had 27 wins in one-run games. Impressive. Yes, it is, but it's also indicative of that can easily go the other way. They oh, get, totally. It's it's one of those things like you put up 97 wins, but 27 of them were one-run games. That's tough to repeat. That's tough to sustain. That's uh, That leaves you in a very precarious position if you're not able to occasionally pull away from teams and you're just consistently uh, in the kind of that danger zone. Being at a one-run game constantly is going to stress out your, your bullpen and your pitchers. It's just tough. 
Occasionally, yeah. you need a laugher just to make your life a little easier. But, it, you know, they're going to have to hope for a similar kind of performance because I just don't see them blowing too many teams away. No, not at all. I don't see that either. Yep. Uh, and what else? Yeah, so I don't, you know, I'm not expecting big things from this team. We'll see what happens. Maybe they'll surprise people again. But I think it would be a much bigger surprise this year than it has been in the previous couple of years. Well, like I said, I root for them and hopefully they'll do well. All right, so let's go. Let's. Why don't we stay with California and go LA Angels? All right. Uh, do you want me to start? Sure. Other than they got Anthony Rendon. They do have Anthony Rendon, so finally they have a legitimate MVP candidate in that team for once. Ouch. Just saying. You just, man, sometimes I think we do have to do like the podcast devoted to why Carlos doesn't think Mike Trout is as good as everyone else does. Because I don't care about war. I, we don't need a whole, we can take a whole podcast on it where I can dissect the Mike Trout well, situation. Well, why not? I mean, we could. Why not? Yeah, we and have we the will. format. But let me give everybody the short version, you know, the kind of the table of contents to my argument for the, for the Mike Trout thing. Number one, war is bullshit. It is a garbage stat that means nothing. Number two, he won. I can argue that all three of his MVPs are illegitimate. He didn't win a single one of them. Because if you go back, and, I, and I'm saying this seriously, and, it's, and I promise, you know what, I'll take Dave up on this idea, and we will have a legitimate conversation where I will, and it's not just me hating on Mike Trout, because here's the thing, I don't care about the, the Angels. They, they're of no concern to me, or of interest to me. But the, but the whole, the more I hear about people talk up Mike Trout, I keep staring, and it's one of those things where I feel like I'm the rain man when it comes to this, and I'm the only one who can see it, and it's staring me right in the face, and that irritates the hell out of me, is that I don't see it. I look at it, and people keep telling me that it's like, oh, you know, he's the best player in baseball. I'm like, okay, it, let's say that's true, then I'm not impressed with current baseball. Because if that's true, it's like, statistically, it looks great. But it's like, these stats mean nothing. They, they don't win. So it's one of those things, you're paying the man an ungodly amount of money for many years, you know, 12-year extension, and they don't win anyway. So who cares? It's, it's, you can get an average player and win a couple less games, then I'll save $30 million a year. I can get two good players for what I'm paying for one player, and it, he's not moving the needle. Long story short, you know, like I said, I can go into this in depth, but just think about this. Just think about this way. This past season, where he won his third MVP, was his best statistical season. He played 134 games. He missed almost 30 games. And you say, well, he had 45 home runs and 104 RBIs. That is very impressive. This is only the third time he's hit 100 RBIs. The third time. Now, you can say, and that's in nine seasons, for the quote-unquote best player in baseball. Now, you can say, well, Carlos, but, you know, he's not playing on a good team. Well, Albert Pujols almost had 100 RBIs, and he's a cadaver. Most people acknowledge that he has declined compared to what he was in his heyday. And he almost had 100 RBIs. And by the way, he played about the same amount of games as Mike Trout. So don't give me the games excuse. So the old man who has fallen apart can drive in as many runs as Mike Trout can, the young guy. And they play about the same amount of games. Now, you take the other statistics, the on-base percentage and all that. Yeah, of course he's going to play well. Because I'm not saying he's that bad player. I'm just saying he's grossly overrated for what he actually is in reality. He's a good player. This year was going to be his best statistical season in a year where everybody acknowledged the ball was juiced. The first time you're about to hit 50 home runs is the year the ball's juiced. What a coincidence. Shocking. Hmm. Who would have thought? Interesting. Yeah, but uh, that's all I'm saying. Like, when I look at these numbers, they say, oh, well, he's the next Mickey Mantle. No. By this point, Mickey Mantle had a triple crown. By this point, Mike Trout is in no danger of winning a... When you talk about the triple crown, 
Okay? This year was the only year he had a shot, legitimately, of maybe winning the home run title. He's won the RBI title once. Other than that, he's not even close. And in terms of batting average, his best year was 326 in his second season. He's not even a batting title contender. So as far as the Triple Crown is concerned, he's in no danger of winning the Triple Crown ever. I will win the Triple Crown before Mike Trout does. So, And this is the quote-unquote best player. You compare him to Mickey Mantle, who did win the Triple Crown. Carlos, tell us how you really feel. It's absurd. It makes no sense. Anyway, Mike Trout overrated. I feel, I feel you could have more indignant rage about Mike Trout. Like, I feel it's there. I could. I could have more indignant rage, but it would require me to care about Mike Trout. And it would require Mike Trout to matter. And he doesn't. Ouch, man. Someday, when Mike Trout matters, then we can talk about him more. Talk, so much hate for Mike he's, Trout. Get back to me when he's relevant. All right. Uh, and they also have Dylan Bundy and Julio Tehran adding to the starting rotation. Um... You know, I think the biggest thing you can say about the Angels, apart from Carlos's Mike Trout rant, is that they have Rendon, which is I, a good thing for them. I also like Albert Pujols. I don't care if he's a cadaver. I'm rooting for him to hit, to hit like, uh, he's he's like at almost 660 home runs. He's getting close to Willie Mays. There you go. Like, that's stratified air, man. That is stratified air. Like, it's really rare air. Oh, right totally now. it is. And it's one of those things, like, it's a little underappreciated, and we'll all miss the man when he's gone, because it's the day. The day's getting closer. Um, aside from Mike Trout's suckage, uh, Dave outlined here, the problem I see beyond the fact that they're paying an ungodly amount of money to Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon and the cadaver of Al Pujols, you know, who I will root for, but outside of that, uh, this rotation's not very good. Otani is you know, the presumptive ace of this rotation who just came off Tommy John surgery. Like that's troubling. <laughs> if, if that's, if that's the guy you're hanging your head on and because you want to get Otani into the lineup as much as possible to maximize his capabilities, because he's a great hitter in order to do that, you, you that requires Albert Pujols to play first base. Do, do you understand? Like that's bad. <laughs> just so yes. we're all clear. That's bad. And like I said, I like Albert Pujols and I hope Albert Pujols, you know, plays out the rest of the year. I think he should retire after this year, but I'm happy he's around. But the thing is, um, Albert Pujols should not be playing first base. He should be playing designated hitter, but you can't because you need Otani to get designated hitter when he, so that he can be in the lineup a little more. And that's troubling. So it's not like the team is glorious, uh, is glorious, you know, in the defensive department. And, um, you know, that's, that's one of those things. And on top of everything else that I said already, you know, you know who doesn't? You know who has the same amount of gold gloves as I do? Mike Trout. That's right, Dave. Mike Trout and I have the same amount of gold gloves. Did you know that? That's a great stat. I should be the MVP. Let's move on from the Angels then. All right, we're done with the Angels. Uh, and let's go. Well, let's go Texas Rangers. Ooh. Uh, so I actually feel they've made a couple of good moves here in terms of who they brought in. Right? They got Corey Kluber, which I think is a is a good move. I think that's they a good got, one for them. Yeah, Todd Fraser at third base, Kyle Gibson, Jordan Lyles, also starting pitchers, Blake Swihart is a catcher slash outfielder. I think they made some good moves. I don't really expect anything of them, but depending on how things go, I think they could potentially pip uh, Oakland, you know, that sort of potentially second best, third best team in the division, maybe. It's possible. It's possible. But I would think that's sort of your, your best case scenario. Yeah, I think they're going to need a lot of a lot of help to really pick it up because it's one of those things. It's, they, it's not like they've been great the last couple of years. The um, there's a lot of things that would concern you about this team. Like there's certain things that are like okay, look at it this way. When you look at the lineup, let, let's let's put this into perspective. Corey Kluber, I think, is a great pickup. I think that's great. 
Um, one thing that would concern me, so you look at Odor. Uh, last year, he got 93 RBIs. And I'm a big fan of the traditional power numbers. 93 RBIs looks great. 93 RBIs also happens to be the second most RBIs in the American League with someone hitting 205 or lower. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not good, Dave. No, it's not. That's that's not that's not what you want to see, you know. The, no. The the those are Adam Dunn type numbers, but Adam Dunn would hit forty home runs along with it, and he would crack hundred RBIs. So it's it's like uh, that's a bit troubling, and to think about it, the and you know, I'll be honest, I don't really have that much to say about the Texas Rangers. They're kind of meh. They're just kind of in the middle to me. They're they're middle of the pack, and but I will say, if in the realm of interesting statistics, here's one for you: last year they had got one hundred and thirty seven team stolen bases which was tops in Major League Baseball. Now, to put this into perspective, in 1982, Ricky Henderson had 130 solo bases. Mm-hmm. That's, it's crazy how much that stats dropped off. It's because the game has completely changed. The, the speed game is no longer emphasized. But just think about that a team had 137 stolen bases and topped Major League Baseball. Back in the day, Ricky Henderson could do that by himself. Yeah. Which is frightening. It really is, actually. The eighties the have the eighties. Also, if you think about it, also had Vince Coleman. You had uh, you know Reigns. You had you had a lot of good speed guys. Willie Will, Willie Nelson or Willie Wilson. Sorry, Willie Wilson. You you had a lot of guys who could steal a lot of bases at that time. But yeah, that's just not the game anymore. No, it's totally different. That's a that's a fun random stat for you because uh, Texas Rangers to me are kind of vanilla. Yeah, Best I, I like it though. Uh, all right, so let's go to the last team. Uh, Seattle Mariners. Gear God. I have two things to say about them and two things only because, yeah. Uh, one, I think they're going to have a good farm system. And two, the roster turnover on this team is crazy. Uh, I think they're going to be in the bottom of the division and I think they're going to lose a lot of games uh, and no one's going to really care unless they're already a diehard Mariners fan. And that's all I really have to say about Seattle. So the best I can do here is... Um... Oh, wait, hold on. But they have Starbucks. They do. They do have Starbucks. That is a thing. Uh, the best I can do is, uh, would you like some more random statistics? I can give you some random stats for the Seattle Mariners if you want. Sure. Give me a couple, Carlos. All right. I'll hit you up with a couple. So Malik Smith had 46 stolen bases. That led the major leagues and came despite struggles in the plate. That led to a two-week demotion to AAA. 46 stolen bases led the league. By the way, do you, by the way, uh, moments ago, uh, Carlos spoke of 130 from Ricky Henderson in 1982. Times have changed is all I'm trying to say. So that's not great. Uh, last year, they committed 132 errors, which is the most in Major League Baseball. That's, uh, that's not going to get it done. That's not great. The, um, they struck out 1,581 times. Also not great. And uh, the most interesting stat line that my little, uh, that my little research here on my... Uh, Season preview magazine could come up with was bunt hits from active players. D. Gordon leads with 83. Bunt hits, Dave. You learn a lot by what statistic they emphasize for a team. Bunt oh hits. That's, yeah, that, like Seattle Mariners fans, this is what you're headed towards. That's bad. I'm that's sorry. Hor- that's horrific. It, yeah. Like, that's the it's, best they could bad, do. It's bad, man. Bunt it's hits. It's bad. That's an indictment right there. When bunt hits is the most interesting thing they could come up with is a stat. That one of your guys was a leader in. Dear God. All right. So you ready for the top to bottom prediction for this division, Carlos? Go for it. What do you got? Uh, you're going to be like, what? When I give you this. But I'd like to mix it up. I- I'm fully prepared to be wrong. 
and we will call each other out later in the season on this. Or And by we, I mean you'll call me out. Absolutely. Uh, but I'm picking the Angels to win the division. I'm See, saving that's... my reply for my for my prediction. Please continue. Okay. I was waiting for the, like, at least a, what? That's no, no, why no, no, no. I, here's the thing. When you led with that preamble, I knew what it had to be. And don't worry. We'll, I'll get to the Angels again in a minute. Uh, Houston is the second team, and I think they're going to be a wild card team. Uh, Oakland in third, which will not make the playoffs. Texas in fourth will not make the playoffs, obviously. And then Seattle in fifth. Really, if I could have them lower than fifth, I would, but I, I don't think that's actually allowed. Mm-hmm. 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 So uh, as far as the American League West is concerned, I, I have Houston repeating as champions of the division. I've got that. I'm going to say Oakland manages to hang in there. Uh, like I said, they're scrappy, and I'm, and I'm rooting for them. I'll say they'll second place in the division. Third place in the division, I've got the Texas Rangers. Uh, the Seattle Mariners, I've got in fifth. And in fourth, I have the Los Angeles Angels AAA affiliate. I have their AA affiliate. I have their rookie ball team. I have their kickball team. I have the uh, you know foosball team. Uh, if they've got a professional What's all? If they've got a professional foosball team, I'm picking them. I'm picking the L.A. Chargers. I'm picking Tom Brady by himself. I'm picking Tom Brady playing with Giselle. I'm picking uh, their kid, you, me, uh, a softball team we came together. I've got the Angels in 47th. Okay. Book it, Dave. 47th. All right, then. In the Los Angeles area. Of course. Of course. Teams named after Angels. This is fair. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's one of those things. It's, it's, a, it's a Carlos special where I like to focus in. Like I said, as you know, Dave, and I've said many times on this very podcast, I think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time named Tom who played in New England in the last 15 years. The greatest. The GOAT. <laughs> Unless there's another Tom. If I can think of another Tom, maybe the Waterboy's named Tom, then he could be second. But then oh, Tom the Waterboy is the GOAT. The GOAT. I love it. The GOAT. Listen, I don't buy in any of your collective hype machine. I don't care what the man's war is. 47th in the LA area. Behind the foosball team. Damn it. All right. There you go. So we've we've got that written down. We'll see what happens, as always. Did you write all that uh, down? Because there was a lot. Well, no, I didn't write all, all of it down. But I, I have enough. Did you at least make a note of the foosball team? Because I think that yes. prediction is a winner. That's- yes. So we can we can see what happens, you know, mid season or wherever, or the end of the season when we're doing a play MLB playoff preview, we will come back to these picks and we will see if indeed the foosball team named the angels finished higher than the baseball team. That is professional. I'm just saying you'd all, I better hear the same energy from all these war people when it turns out to be the case. And I get to applaud my own pick of the foosball angels. I think it's it's fair. It's going to be glorious. I think it's going to be great. All right, Carlos, this concludes our AL West preview. So next week, we move on to the NL Central. Super good times. All right. Do you have anything you would like to tell the people you're looking forward to? Because I don't. No, uh, well, I'm looking forward to the XFL games. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I, I, the, big, the big thing, I think, happening this weekend is really the Deontay Wilder-Tyson Fury fight. And unfortunately, I used to be a lot more into boxing. I'm really not anymore. Like, I'm more of an MMA guy, and I'll catch the fights that interest me. I, I think the—I hope, for their sake, that the fight is good because their last fight was pretty good. And um, the heavyweight division in boxing 
was really the marquee division. If the heavyweight division is healthy, then the sport of boxing is healthy. I think the problem is, to be honest, if I want to see a great fight, and I want to see great fighters, I want to see fighters that can do more than just stand and box at this point. I want to see fighters that can do a couple of different things. And to be honest, I like seeing you know somebody get kicked in the head. And that's not really an option in, uh, in this matchup. Although... If you like to, if you like a bruising uh, knockout artist, you, you Deontay Wilder's your guy, and Tyson Fury is a boxer. So you know, it, at least I will say I expect it to do well. I think the pay per view numbers will be great, and it's one of those things where I I feel like it's going to be a while before we get like another big money fight. So it's probably good that this one uh, came up, especially for the the old school fight fans. This is a this is a good thing for them. Yeah. So I think that'll be interesting. So there you have it, people. Would you like to do shameless plugs, or are we still waiting on that one? No, we're still waiting on that one. I think uh, I, I've got to re- I've got to reorganize. We'll reconvene and figure out the social media, the social media future that, that's coming. But uh, you can check out the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. That's always there. That's no problem. You can also check out the archive versions with cartoon versions of our faces on the YouTube channel. That's Unnecessary Nonsense podcast. Work is taken priority, but if the if you know the situation allows, I will try to do some kind of an XFL coverage, some kind of a discussion about the XFL, because now that we're starting to wind into the season a little bit, it is only a 10-week season. So I'm going to try to get in there in the next little bit to try to talk about it a little bit more. It's just It's been tricky to get a handle on it, to be honest with you, because I feel like there's still a lot of moving parts with these teams. Like I said, we've, we've kind of figured out who the two best teams are, so that's a thing, and that's good. At least we have more than one team that's standing out, so that's great. Um, and then there's a couple of teams that are kind of uh, jockeying for the middle ground, the middle position. And it's really going to come down to how many of these teams can actually put together uh, a good run down the stretch and then make the playoff interesting. Because you're going to have your Final Four, and then it leads you to your championship game, and there you go. So I think it'll be it'll be interesting from that perspective, but it's not a long season. So it's not like uh, we're going to be getting to midseason before you know it. It'll be, and then who know, it'll be over before you know it, and we're all done with it. I think the timing works out though, because by that point we're into the baseball season officially. Like in no, full. You know what? That's that's exactly what you need with this, right? You've got your spring football or but it's over in a reasonable amount of time so you can move on to the next thing, but you're you're still into it, you know? Yeah. And I think uh by the time you get to the championship game, that's right at the end of April. So you're gonna be headed right into May, and by that point it's gonna feel, I think, a little bit more baseball y. Because right now, to be honest, I'm talking about baseball with you. It does not feel like baseball. Like where I'm sitting, it feels like winter and it's been feeling like winter for a while. And I'm hoping that we can finally start to warm up a little bit and get a little bit more into that spring kind of mood because we're not quite there yet. Yeah. So as Dave said, we're going to talk about the NL Central next week and probably some other nonsense that we'll find. There'll definitely some stuff happening in the sports world. So we'll get a little bit of that. Maybe we'll talk a little basketball somewhere in there because those things are starting. They're starting to jockey for position a little bit. Uh, Maybe Dave can take a stab at a a little bit of uh, Raptors fan because they're actually playing pretty well. All things yes. considered, their defense of their championship, all things considered, is going about as well as could be expected. So I would say it's actually going better than expected. Absolutely, and I think it's been uh, I think it's been good for them, uh, especially to to maintain a competitive team. A lot of times, after a team wins a, with seemingly a random championship, they immediately fall apart. This team has stayed pretty solid and pretty darn good, especially uh, where they are. So we'll, I think we'll get a little bit more about that. That could be something else we could definitely talk about. All right. Just tell people we'll see them on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, okay? Good job, good job Dave. So, like I said, uh, Mike Trout is overrated, absurdly so. Like, to a degree that cannot be described in words. But, with those words from Dave, 
That is this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.